Chapters 34 through 35 of Irenaeus Against Heresies, Book 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Irenaeus Against Heresies, Book 4. Translated by Alexander Roberts and W. H. Rambo. Chapter 34. Proof against the Marcionites that the prophets referred in all their predictions to our Christ. Now I shall simply say, in opposition to all the heretics, and principally against the followers of Marcion, and against those who are like to these, in maintaining that the prophets were from another God than he who is announced in the gospel. Read with earnest care that gospel which has been conveyed to us by the apostles, and read with earnest care the prophets, and you will find that the whole conduct and all the doctrine and all the sufferings of our Lord were predicted through them. But if a thought of this kind should then suggest itself to you to say, What then did the Lord bring to us by his advent? Know ye that he brought all possible novelty by bringing himself, who had been announced. For this very thing was proclaimed beforehand, that a novelty should come to renew and quicken mankind. For the advent of the king is previously announced by those servants who were sent before him, in order to the preparation and equipment of those men who are to entertain their lord. But when the king has actually come, and those who are his subjects have been filled with that joy which was proclaimed beforehand, and have attained to that liberty which he bestows, and share in the sight of him, and have listened to his words, and have enjoyed the gifts which he confers, the question will not then be asked by any that are possessed of sense. What new thing the king has brought beyond that proclaimed by those who announced his coming? For he has brought himself, and has bestowed on men those good things which were announced beforehand, which things the angels desired to look into. But the servants would then have been proved false, and not sent by the Lord, if Christ on his advent, by being found exactly such as he was previously announced, had not fulfilled their words. Wherefore, he said, think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall not pass from the law and the prophets till all come to pass. For by his advent he himself fulfilled all things, and does still fulfill in the church the new covenant foretold by the law, onwards to the consummation of all things. To this effect, Paul, his apostle, says in the epistle to the Romans, But now without the law has the righteousness of God been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, for the just shall live by faith. But this fact, that the just shall live by faith, had been previously announced by the prophets. But whence could the prophets have had the power to predict the advent of the king, and to preach beforehand that liberty which was bestowed by him, and previously to announce all things which were done by Christ, his words, his works, and his sufferings, and to predict the new covenant, if they had received prophetical inspiration from another God than he who is revealed in the gospel? They being ignorant, 
as ye allege, of the ineffable Father of his kingdom and his dispensations, which the Son of God fulfilled when he came upon the earth in these last times? Neither are ye in a position to say that these things came to pass by a certain kind of chance, as if they were spoken by the prophets in regard to some other person, while like events happened to the Lord. For all the prophets prophesied these same things, but they never came to pass in the case of any one of the ancients. For if these things had happened to any man among them of old time, those prophets who lived subsequently would certainly not have prophesied that these events should come to pass in the last times. Moreover, there is in fact none among the fathers, nor the prophets, nor the ancient kings, in whose case any one of these things properly and specifically took place. For all indeed prophesied as to the sufferings of Christ, but they themselves were far from enduring sufferings similar to what was predicted. And the points connected with the passion of the Lord, which were foretold, were realized in no other case. For neither did it happen at the death of any man among the ancients that the sun set at midday, nor was the veil of the temple rent, nor did the earth quake, nor were the rocks rent, nor did the dead rise up, nor was any one of these men of old raised up on the third day nor received into heaven, nor at his assumption were the heavens opened, and nor did the nations believe in the name of any other, nor did any from among them, having been dead and rising again, lay open the new covenant of liberty. Therefore the prophets spake not of any one else but of the Lord, in whom all these aforesaid tokens concurred. If any one, however, Advocating the cause of the Jews do maintain that this new covenant consisted in the rearing of that temple which was built under Zerubbabel after the emigration to Babylon, and in the departure of the people from thence after the lapse of seventy years, let him know that the temple constructed of stones was indeed then rebuilt, for as yet that law was observed which had been made upon tables of stone. Yet no new covenant was given, but they used the Mosaic law until the coming of the Lord. But from the Lord's advent, the new covenant which brings back peace and the law which gives life has gone forth over the whole earth, as the prophet said, For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall rebuke many people and they shall break down their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks, and they shall no longer learn to fight. If, therefore, another law and word, going forth from Jerusalem, brought in such a reign of peace among the Gentiles, which received the word, and convinced through them many a nation of its folly, then it appears that the prophets spake of some other person. But if the law of liberty, that is, the word of God, preached by the apostles, who went forth from Jerusalem throughout all the earth, caused such a change in the state of things, that these nations did form the swords and war lances into plowshares, 
and changed them into pruning hooks for reaping the corn, into instruments used for peaceful purposes, and that they are now unaccustomed to fighting, but when smitten, offer also the other cheek. Then the prophets have not spoken these things of any other person, but of him who effected them. This person is our Lord, and in him is that declaration borne out, since it is he himself who has made the plow and introduced the pruning hook, that is, the first semination of man, which was the creation exhibited in Adam, and the gathering in of the produce in the last times by the word, and for this reason, since he joined the beginning to the end, and is the Lord of both, he has finally displayed the plow, in that the wood has been joined to the iron, and has thus cleansed his land, because the word, having been firmly united to flesh, and in its mechanism, fixed with pins, has reclaimed the savage earth. In the beginning, he figured forth the pruning hook by means of Abel, pointing out that there should be a gathering in of a righteous race of men. He says, For behold how the just man perishes, and no man considers it, and righteous men are taken away, and no man layeth it to heart. These things were acted beforehand in Abel, which were also previously declared by the prophets, but were accomplished in the Lord's person. And the same is still true with regard to us, the body following the example of the head. Such are the arguments proper to be used in opposition to those who maintain that the prophets were inspired by a different God, and that our Lord came from another father. If perchance these heretics may at length desist from such extreme folly, this is my earnest object in adducing these scriptural proofs, that confuting them, as far as in me lies, by these very passages, I may restrain them from such great blasphemy and from insanely fabricating a multitude of gods. Chapter 35 a refutation of those who allege that the prophets uttered some predictions under the inspiration of the highest, others from the demiurge. Disagreements of the Valentinians among themselves with regard to these same predictions. Then again, in opposition to the Valentinians and the other Gnostics, falsely so called, who maintain that some parts of scripture were spoken at one time from the Pleroma, a sumitate, through means of the sea derived from that place, but at another time from the intermediate abode through means of the audacious mother Prunica, but that many are due to the creator of the world, from whom also the prophets had their mission. We say it is altogether irrational to bring down the father of the universe to such straits as that he should not be possessed of his own proper instruments by which the things in the Plerama might be perfectly proclaimed. For of whom was he afraid, so that he should not reveal his will after his own way, and independently, freely, and without being involved with that spirit which came into being in a state of degeneracy and ignorance? Was it that he feared that very many would be saved, when more should have listened to the unadulterated truth? Or, on the other hand, was he incapable of preparing for himself those who should announce the Savior's advent? But if, when the Savior came to this earth, 
he sent his apostles into the world to proclaim with accuracy his advent and to teach the father's will having nothing in common with the doctrine of the gentiles or of the jews much more while yet existing in the pleroma would he have appointed his own heralds to proclaim his future advent into this world and having nothing in common with those prophecies originating from the demiurge but if when within the pleroma he availed himself of those prophets who were under the law and declared his own matters through their instrumentality much more would he upon his arrival hither have made use of these same teachers and have preached the gospel to us by their means therefore let them not any longer assert that peter and paul and the other apostles proclaimed the truth but that it was the scribes and pharisees and the others through whom the law was propounded but if at his advent he sent forth his own apostles in the spirit of truth and not in that of error he did the very same also in the case of the prophets for the word of god was always the self-same and if the spirit from the pleroma was according to these men's system the spirit of light the spirit of truth the spirit of perfection and the spirit of knowledge while that from the demiurge with the spirit of ignorance degeneracy and error and the offspring of obscurity how can it be that in one and the same being there exists perfection and defect knowledge and ignorance error and truth light and darkness but if it was impossible that such should happen in the case of the prophets for they preached the word of the lord from one god and proclaimed the advent of his son much more would the lord himself never have uttered words on one occasion from above but on another from degeneracy below thus becoming the teacher at once of knowledge and of ignorance nor would he ever have glorified as father at one time the founder of the world and at another him who is above this one as he does himself declare no man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old one nor do they put new wine into old bottles let these men therefore either have nothing whatever to do with the prophets as with those that are ancients and allege no longer that these men being sent beforehand by the demiurge spake certain things under that new influence which pertains to the pleroma or on the other hand let them be convinced by our lord when he declares that new wine cannot be put into old bottles but from what source could the offspring of their mother derive his knowledge of the mysteries within the pleroma and power to discourse regarding them suppose that the mother while beyond the pleroma did bring forth this very offspring but what is beyond the pleroma that they represent as being beyond the pale of knowledge that is ignorance how then could that seed which was conceived in ignorance possess the power of declaring knowledge or how did the mother herself a shapeless and undefined being one cast out of doors as an abortion obtain knowledge of the mysteries within the pleroma she who was organized outside it and given a form there and prohibited by horus from entering within and who remains outside the pleroma till the consummation of all things that is beyond the pale of knowledge 
Then again, when they say that the Lord's Passion is a type of the extension of the Christ above, which he effected through Horos, and so imparted a form to their mother, they are refuted in the other particulars of the Lord's Passion, for they have no semblance of a type to show with regard to them. For when did the Christ above have vinegar and gall given him to drink? Or when was his raiment parted? Or when was he pierced, and blood and water came forth? Or when did he sweat great drops of blood? And the same may be demanded as to the other particulars which happened to the Lord, of which the prophets have spoken. From whence then did the mother or her offspring divine the things which had not yet taken place, but which should occur afterwards? They affirm that certain things still, besides these, were spoken from the Pleroma, but are confuted by those which are referred to in the Scriptures as bearing on the advent of Christ. But what these are that are spoken from the Pleroma, they are not agreed, but give different answers regarding them. For if any one wishing to test them, to question one by one with regard to any passage those who are their leading men, he shall find one of them referring the passage in question to the Propator, that is, to Bithus, another attributing it to Archi, that is, to the Only Begotten, another to the Father of All, that is, to the Word, while another again will say that it was spoken of that one aeon who was formed from the joint contributions of the aeons in the Pleroma. Others will regard the passage as referring to Christ, while another will refer it to the Savior. One again, more skilled than these, after a long protracted silence, declares that it was spoken of Horus, another that it signifies the Sophia, which is within the Pleroma, another that it announces the mother outside the Pleroma, while another will mention the God who made the world, the Demiurge. Such are the variations existing among them with regard to one passage, holding discordant opinions as to the same scriptures. And when the same identical passage is read out, they all begin to purse up their eyebrows and to shake their heads and say that they might indeed utter a discourse transcendently lofty, but that all cannot comprehend the greatness of that thought which is implied in it and that therefore among the wise the chief thing is silence, for that sigi, silence, which is above, must be typified by that silence which they preserve. Thus do they, as many as they are, all depart from each other, holding so many opinions as to one thing, and bearing about their clever notions in secret within themselves. When, therefore, they shall have agreed among themselves as to the things predicted in the scriptures, then also shall they be confuted by us. For, though holding wrong opinions, they do in the meanwhile, however, convict themselves, since they are not of one mind with regard to the same words. But as we follow for our teacher the one and only true God, and possess his words as the rule of truth, we do all speak alike with regard to the same things, knowing but one God, the creator of this universe, who sent the prophets, who led forth the people from the land of Egypt, who in these last times manifested his own Son, that he might put the unbelievers to confusion and search out the fruit of righteousness. End of Book 4 
chapters 34 through 35. End of Against Heresies by St. Irenaeus, translated by Alexander Roberts and W. H. Rambo.